Thank you for listening to the Desert Road Community Church podcast. If you would like to support Desert Road Community Church, go to www.desertroad.church and select the online giving tab. Now, let's join Pastor Dave Prosser as he gives this week's message. Jump into Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 32 today and actually get into chapter 5 as we finish. But I'll put the words up here for us. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. Yeah. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Stop there. There's a sermon right there. How about that? Are we all of one heart and mind? But no voice. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Are we all of one heart and mind? No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands and houses sold them. They brought money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And again, (laughs) I love how this section started, and I sort of stayed there for a second, but all of the believers were of one heart and one mind. I just love that. And you know, we've already been seeing through these first four chapters in the book of Acts how the early church started and, and the gospel was being presented, but Peter and John were being arrested, thrown in jail, but they continued to testify. And what was the result of that? Hundreds, thousands of people were coming to the church. And get that? All the believers were of one mind and heart. The same mind and same heart. Oh, if we could continue to say that. (laughs) We can't even say that from, I don't think, from church to church, denomination to denomination. But we can say it here at Desert Road Community Church, can't we? Yeah. We're one in heart and mind. I mean, come on. Differences of opinion are are inevitable, aren't they? (laughs) Uh, They can be good because somebody can say something and say, well, why are you guys doing that that way? And we can say, yeah, we didn't realize that. Why are we doing it that way? And because of a difference of opinion or some input, we can change and make it better. I think our sound system is drastically better than what we had. You know, so there can be a difference of opinion and Positive can come out of it. There can be a difference of opinion, and I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you've seen a church split. Have you ever seen a church split over differences of opinion? It almost happened to a church where we were at in Forest Lake, Minnesota because of a grand piano. Of all things, a grand piano. Why did you pay that kind of money and buy a grand piano? just so that person could have a piano like that to play. People left the church. Are you kidding me? 
So differences of opinion, you know, they can be good, they can be bad. They can tear churches apart. They can tear families apart. They can tear our country apart. They can tear the world apart, can't they? One thing that we seem to be hearing a lot about in the news and in the world today is unity. Don't you love it? We should all unify and gather around unity. And I was thinking about that in this passage of Scripture, and I was thinking about churches. And when churches get together, I, there should be a spiritual unity. That's essential when it comes to the life of a church and what it does. And it's, it's this absolute unity for the love of God and His Word. You know, I love what God has done in our lives and in our church because of His Word. Because of His Word. And I hope you love God and you love His Word, and that's the spiritual essence that unifies us also together. And there's, there's, there's a loyalty. I thank you for your loyalty to Desert Road Community Church being here and worshiping and serving with us on the outreach events that we have had, helping by uh, your giving to support that outreach and what we do as a church. And then your commitment to continue to represent Desert Road Community Church, to be here, but to testify to others in our community about God's love in your life. So now these Christians and this early church felt that when they, what everything that they had uh, was their own, wasn't their own, and, and they were able to, to give and to share everything to those that were in need among them. I just love that. You know, theologically, these early believers considered themselves the righteous remnant of Israel. So I think they probably undoubtedly had uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4 in mind. Deuteronomy excuse me, 15.4 in their mind, saying that there should be no poor among you, for in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. One thing I kept thinking about in regards to this message is some people might say, wow, sounds like you're preaching what Bernie Sanders wants you to preach. No. No, it's not that at all. And we'll see how that plays out in a couple of stories here in a minute. The people of this early church also knew that uh, sharing what, had, what they had was completely voluntary. Okay? They were under no, you know, the, the, uh, Peter and John didn't come and hammer them over the head and said, this is what you have to do. What they did was, in their sharing was completely voluntary. An important aspect here is that it wasn't all their property, only as, as much was needed that they came to give to the church and help those others in need. And it wasn't, it wasn't a membership requirement uh, to, in order to, to be a part of the church. In other words, I don't, we don't put a basket out over here and ask you to put your offering in that basket and then come into the building for church. You know, it, so it's the way they were giving here in this early church, the way we give in our church. It's not a form of membership. It's not that. It's saying, God has blessed me 
I want to help others. And it's also, I think, important to realize they were under no biblical command to do what they were doing as far as this sharing and helping those in need. But as we saw in the passage in Deuteronomy, they knew God was providing for them and that they should share with those who had a need. Then we're given an example of how this is working in this passage. I don't know if you caught that or not. I'll put it up here again for us. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, and when the, apostle, the apostles called, who called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I want you to notice something here, that he sold a field. A field. You see, they, when they shared with those that were in need, they might have owned many fields and multiple houses. And again, that didn't mean they sold everything to bring and help each other, but they could help as what was needed. And so here's Joseph, and he sells one of his fields, and he brings it in. Which again, I think it speaks to the point that it wasn't all their property that was sold, only that that was going to be needed to meet the needs of those who were poor, didn't have uh, enough. And so I find it interesting that in this information about Joseph, it's placed right before the next story that starts in chapter 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. Maybe you know this story. Maybe you've heard this story in, in Sunday school classes or in the churches. Let's take a look at this story in uh, Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Follow along. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property, just like Joseph had just done. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. There's something I never want to hear. When Ananias heard this, look at this. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. And then I'm amazed at what, as the story continues, after three hours, so three hours goes by, maybe Sapphira is at home and she's wondering where Ananias is. Oh, he ran to the market. Well, he'll be back in a little while, but uh, you know, it's been three hours. I better go see. So after three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, and I love how Peter goes about this. He doesn't just say, why just you know, do this? and Look how he sort of sets her up. Tell me. Is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? He had the money in his hand that Ananias had given him. Yes, she said. That's the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, 
The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear. Oh, I bet so. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. I don't know about you, but I read this story and my first word is, wow! (laughs) What a contrast between these two stories placed back to back. The story of Joseph, he sells his land, he brings it in, and he puts the money at the feet of Peter, at the feet of the apostles. Ananias and Sapphira don't quite do that. You know, if you've heard this story about these two before. I've heard it, and I've heard preachers use this section of Acts uh, that we're looking at today and preach on tithing. I think Luke wrote this section leading us to this very story of Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, sure. We can see how the early believers shared what they had as the need was there. But for me, the more important point is leading into this story is about lying to God. Lying to God. Look at what Peter asked Ananias. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You know, he didn't say, well, is that really an appropriate tithe? You know, he's not talking to him about tithing, how much to bring in for a tithe. He's talking to him square square right on about lying to God. Oh, we need to be careful about that, don't we? (laughs) The sin Ananias and Sapphira committed is not stinginess or holding back part of the money. It was their choice whether or not to even sell the land and how much to give. Their sin was lying to God and God's people saying that they gave the whole amount. They were holding back some for themselves and trying to make themselves appear more generous than they really were. I thought... What else does God have to say about that? And of course, a good place to go and see what God has to say about certain aspects of our life is some of the verses that Solomon wrote down in Proverbs. Proverbs six seventeen, Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, God detests. God doesn't want any part of that. Haughty lies, a lying tongue. Proverbs 10, 18. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Proverbs 12, 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy. You think the Lord was delighting in Ananias and Sapphira at this moment? One more. Proverbs 21.6 
A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and what? A deadly snare. Oh, Ananias and Sapphira, had you remembered the words of God written down by Solomon? A deadly snare. You know, as I read this story about Ananias and Sapphira being struck down and accused God of being harsh. You know, people say, how can that happen? I mean, I thought God was supposed to be loving and forgiving. I thought all that wrath stuff was in the Old Testament. Why are we reading about this in the New Testament? With an emphasis on grace and mercy. I mean, it's over to look, easy to overlook the equally important truth of God's holiness and what He's called us to do in truth. We must remember that God has not changed. Just as He said through His prophet Malachi, the Lord, I the Lord, do not change. God is a God of love and mercy. I mean, come on. Satan's still active in our world today. We know that. And he's going to be up to the very end of Christ's return. Don't let sin separate you from, for even a moment from God's love for you. Confess it. Let God take it because Jesus went to the cross so that you can be forgiven. And you know, I, I don't know if it gets emphasized or communicated enough, but when that happened, when you came to the foot of the cross, and said, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to lay that on at the foot of the cross. I need to lay that upon you, the sin that's in my life. And I need you to, for, I need to receive that forgiveness from you. And Jesus at that moment forgives you, wipes that sin away from your life, never to be seen or heard of again. You know, I could, I could have you stand and say, well, pastor, here's the sin that's been in my life today. Here's the sin that's been in my life this week. I don't need to hear that. You don't need to hear mine. Because Jesus is going to take it. You, in a prayer, say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I said this. I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I didn't do that. Whatever it is that's against the Word of God. It's gone because of the work of Christ on the, on the cross at Calvary. It's gone. Never thrown in your face again by God. I want you to know that. When you were standing before God at some point, when we're standing face to face and we've taken that last breath, we're standing face to face before God. He's never going to say to you or to me, well, Dave, what about that? Well, Dave, what about that? Well, Dave, what about that attitude? Well, Dave, what about those words? That's not going to happen. God's going to say, Dave, thanks for loving me. Thanks for knowing me as Lord and Savior. Thanks for serving me. Because you serve me, here's some rewards in heaven for you. 
Sin's not going to be heard. pity Ananias and Sapphira in the fact that instantly they died. Don't let that happen. (laughs) Don't whatever time God gives us and we get to that last moment and that last breath don't be in your mind Having the thought, I didn't confess this. I'm not good before the Lord. I I don't know any other way to say it than to deal with it now. (laughs) Ahead of time, before that moment happens. Deal with it when the reality is before you. And just confess it to the Lord. Through prayer. Through prayer. Father, we're we're sure not perfect human beings. We have thoughts, we have actions, we have words, we have reactions. Even though we strive, we want to be as Christ-like as we can. Lord, uh, whatever might be there in our life today, Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for taking that. Thank you for being that Savior and Lord that loves us that much. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Amen.